Hello, everyone, and welcome to Get Cynical, Season 4, Episode 4. Before we begin, uh, we have a little bit of news to cover, which is that Max Landis's laptop was quote-unquote <laughs> stolen and then recovered almost immediately in what they are calling the fakest crime of the century. Yeah, re- recovered under the most suspicious circumstances imaginable. Uh, Given back that, by a wise homeless guy. Yeah, a couple. He's like a couple hours later. He just said, "My friend went out to canvas the neighborhood, and she met a homeless man who returned the laptop." What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> that shit didn't happen. That is either it is either fake or Max had like a magical realist experience. For <laughs> Honestly, I love the idea of somebody just like targeting it, especially because it's Max Landis's laptop. It just reminds me of like. Early 2000s rap videos where it's like, Mr. President, we have to stop Chameleonaire from rapping. (laughs) (laughs) We have to send every uh, three-letter agency after him right now. I uh, I wonder if, like, the various canceled uh, Hollywood guys have, like, wars like this. Like, it turns out out James Toback stole the laptop or something. That's just number one Starbucks customer. Don't don't dox me. Don't dox me. James, yeah, James Toback visited Esther's uh, coffee shop. <laughs> and <laughs> did he try and commit any sex crimes since he's got 400 to the no, name? No, he just ate a lot of cake. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if I recall, did not clean up after himself in any way. No, left his mess on the table like a fucking, like... Animal. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea in my head. It's like, oh, this guy is like, this guy did a triple double of sex crimes. So <laughs> he must be like an evil genius. And then you see him in real life and he's like, mm, I want ice cream. <laughs> it's just like the police were able to find him by like uh, a trail of like Twix rappers behind him. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Uh, if he claimed to have done the Homer Badman pulling a gummy Venus <laughs> DeMille off of a woman's ass, I would believe him. <laughs> In fact, if he claimed for all 400 of the women he sexually harassed that he did that, I think I would still believe him. Okay, so Crack.com, we are talking about the years 2013 through 2015. And if the previous two episodes were talking about like the site's golden age... This is a portrait of a site in transition. Mm-hmm. We are not fully into the world of pivot to video yet, but it's very clear like the sands are shifting beneath the feet of the website. And there's a lot of changes both behind the scenes and culturally that we need to talk about. Uh, in terms of the site proper, this was a About the time when a lot of the star writers for the site were being fully moved into video because, you know, around this time, there was this idea, thanks to Facebook, that video was making a ton of money. And we'll cover how that collapsed in a later episode. So they're losing some of their roster. Like Dan O'Brien only made like four articles during these years or whatever. It's Mm kind of crazy. Uh, you'll note that they took Gladstone from video into articles. So what does that say about him? <laughs> we got to get this guy off the screen. Yeah. yeah, he got pivoted to writing. <laughs> the first and biggest thing we need to talk about is that Crack started a series. It wasn't like an official named series, but it was like a general series that 
is called cracked experiences. And cracked experiences are, rather than having one of their staff members or freelancers write like top five most unexpected things behind the scenes of Back to the Future, they would talk to like people who have had interesting lives or traumatic lives and basically get them to write articles or help them write articles. Like they had articles that would be like top five things I learned being tortured. That's barely a joke. That's basically like half the articles on the site under this banner. And it, they pivoted very, very hard into what could almost be described as investigative journalism because some of the articles in this are not too terrible or at least pretty interesting and fun to read, I will say. Why they did this, I don't know. Uh, I tried to ask a friend of mine who was a copy editor for Cracked, and he was like, man, I got no fucking idea. But he guessed that, one, that they were just running out of shit to say in the old style, Mm -hmm. which I totally buy. Uh, You get... The returns have been diminishing for a while for, like, the pop culture stuff. Two, BuzzFeed is kind of, you know, wedging in on their racket, so they need to stand out. You know, BuzzFeed is doing the holistical shit at this point. So, all right, we'll just interview serial killers instead. Three is that these articles did really, really well. In the, like, top archives, like the top 25 articles from each year that I look at for, you know, pruning for these lists... So many of these were in like the top 25. And I think the first one actually, hilariously enough, was written by Mara Wilson. Yeah, the child star one. It's it's so funny that all of these are like, they have to stick them in the cracked like format. So it's like, you can't just get Mara Wilson on to write an article that's like, here are some bad things that happened to me as a child star. It has to be seven reasons child stars go insane. Yeah, that's something. Like, even in the articles where the reporting is solid and good, like the one they did about, you know, ISIS propaganda. That's actually pretty, like, interesting. That one, I, I really liked that one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. It's very informative. It's still framed as seven things I learned reading ISIS propaganda or whatever, (laughs) which is, again, very, very tight. Something also to note is that the cracked audience did not like these articles. (laughs) Like some of them, some of them got positive reception. Some of them really didn't. And there was a general trend. Uh, One of my favorite places to go for, you know, looking up, you know, what people thought about Cracked at the time or what was controversial is the Your Mileage May Vary page for Cracked on TV tropes. (laughs) Perfectly encased in amber and under the Broken Base tab, which I don't think anything good has ever been written under Broken Base. Like, that is the easiest way to make me mad. But anyhow, it was like some people prefer the article's that deal with heavier topics while other people just want them to stay light and comedic. And it's like, this is the best shit they've ever written, man. Yeah. (laughs) Like this is most like a lot of this is really fucking good. Like what, especially by cracked standards. Like what did you want? You people make me sick. You're fucking animals. (laughs) (laughs) The one that really got me was um, the, and it's again, it's like a listicle deal. Um, it's the five things I learned as a sex slave in modern America. Just like 
genuinely very harrowing stuff, Extremely right? difficult to read. Yeah, difficult yes. to read, very powerful. Like, it, it, it's it's a great, great article in a lot of ways. Um, it is also still, like, a... Um, oh man, I keep trying to say, like, it's a prisoner. No, that will be a, a, a little insensitive here. It's a captive. Damn it, no. <laughs> um, it's definitely still <laughs> beholden to the cracked format um, in that, like... <laughs> You know, right after saying that, like, oh, the cops will not help and you are trapped here forever. She just writes, redneck logic can lead to good things like the deep fried Snickers bar, but it also leads to this kind of nightmare. (laughs) And it's like, I don't blame her for that whatsoever. I'm sure that there were, like, editor's notes being like, hey, can you just, like, inject tiny little bits of levity so it's not, like, completely soul crushing? But just to see, like, the epic bacon stuff wedged into this, like, really heart-rending piece of, like, first-person journalism is, like, so fucking weird. It's bizarre. It, it's a, it's yeah. a weird... The fact that this article and some of the other ones exist on this website at all, I think, just doesn't make any sense to me. It, it's so, like, relentlessly grim. The one about, um, like, dark web pedophiles was, like, also, like, interesting in a journalistic sense. But it was also written in that same style. That's like I think you you guys could should just drop it. You should just you should just drop the tone for these. Like it's it's. So, I don't know what I don't think people are getting out of it. <laughs> what you hope they will. The dark web pedophiles one. Okay, so I have not been able to like find verification for this, but one of the people I interviewed for this said either for that article or some article in this same ballpark that they had to change and and or edit one of these articles about dark web pedophiles because the article was basically just a how-to guide on how to download child <laughs> porn. <laughs> Which, again, could not find any, like, verification. I ran it through Internet Archive to see if there were any changes or, like, any stuff they scrubbed out. Couldn't find it, but I did hear that did happen at some point. Which, again... Very clear, they were not ready to, like, handle stuff this heavy immediately. No. Again, you just, in the cracked format, how can you? Like, they're not fucking the New York Times. They're not even Vice in terms of, like, just having the experience and infrastructure to publish things about this kind of subject matter. It's like, all they know how to do are sardonic lists. Yeah. It's yeah. it's also, like, on the ones of these, like, first-person, uh, you know, like, something harrowing happened to me, uh, the here five things about it ones, the way that comments try to, like, reckon with it is really funny. <laughs> I, I looked at the comments of the five things I learned as a sex slave one, and it's a lot of people just sort of, like, you know, expressing condolences and, like, saying that, like, wow, I'm so glad that this type of thing is on crack.com, and then just pivoting into like the most twee version of like the the facebook guy who's like thinking about like killing isis guys and pedophiles <laughs> like there's the one that says like and as for the people who abused you they are not human beings they are demons hiding in human skin if they were in a room with me right now and i had a rusty butter knife dot 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 <laughs> dot 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 it would end up below the waist <laughs> victims love that victims of sexual abuse love when you're like okay well here is my most graphic fantasy about what i would like to do to these people <laughs> yeah and i will also say that like some of these are genuinely really good uh the one that i always liked as a teenager was the one about the troubled teen industry because 
Yeah. That was just not something that was reported like around that time, like at all mm-hmm. that, you know, kids with behavior problems, like everyone knew like, oh, kids with behavior problems, they'll get sent to military school or whatever. But like the liberal parent version of that is sending them to like the forest, basically <laughs> like sending them. If like, if the Game of Thrones universe had a Waldorf school, then that's where you can send your kid. <laughs> uh, that one's great. And then there's ones that are like just. So, like, they're just fun. Like, the porn star ones, for example. The porn oh, star ones let, are just... Yeah, let's talk about the I one will, of these. <laughs> I will say. I will say. Uh, the male porn star one's just fun. Like, it's mostly just, like, yeah, like, it turns out having sex for eight hours straight uh, with someone who doesn't actually like you very much in weird positions is kind of taxing on your body, and it's it's a little weird. Um, although, the male porn star one sends transition, so, you know... That was also a funny thing to find out. (laughs) But the other one was by a lesbian porn star. And uh, the (laughs) byline, (laughs) it's Lily Kate. That's right. Who, Folks, what do we think about Lily Kate? I have to to say, when I saw that, I was like, that name rings a bell. (laughs) Let's let's give her the old Google. (laughs) Immediately, first thing that comes up is like when she said that trans people belong in death camps. Yeah, no. And uh, it's so tight too because like in her article, she talks about how like, you know, consent, it doesn't work the same way in porn since there's like money involved and finances involved and it's like a much more complicated system than just like you know yes or no affirmative consent stuff and she walks through it's like you know i do rougher stuff but i try to be really mindful of people's boundaries and like you know have conversation about it and i never like go too far or anything then you just look at her wikipedia page it's like oh she's just like raped a bunch of people yeah she's just on her she's on her fucking asia argento tip Uh, shout out to her by the way as well for like wedging the the screenshot of a community episode where she was an extra in there (laughs) (laughs) yeah also shout out for being uh transphobic and looking like that yeah (laughs) come on now she she looks like boy george like it's not <laughs> she looks like every single tim burton character face app together like it's <laughs> it's tough and then you get to ones that are more uh dubious uh the funniest one of these the one that i'm not like offended by or anything that i think is just like kind of awesome is the one where it's like five things i learned uh, as the internet's most hated person. This mm-hmm. article was published in 2014. Everyone, please, just for a moment, pause the episode and just guess to yourself who the internet's most hated person in 2014 was. Osama bin Laden. <laughs> Osama <laughs> bin Laden. Yeah, no, Justin Bieber. <laughs> Honestly, if Justin Bieber wrote this article, I would read it 100%. But I, I would like to hear his perspective, yeah. It was fucking, it was Zoe Quinn. I didn't read this article because we'll be talking about them some more in a future, uh, you know, season of the show. But this is just tight. And it's also like the comment section version of committing suicide by cop. (laughs) No, I love this one because it starts with an editor's note that's like, uh, so we've been getting a lot of messages on forum posts asking us to cover Gabergate. (laughs) And the idea that this is how they would handle it is really funny because clearly their entire audience was like 
you need to do an expose on these whores. <laughs> but instead, they just got Zoe Quinn to write an article about everyone on Twitter calling her a whore and a slut or whatever. And yeah, that one, I mean, that one's just funny. Uh, I, I can't get like riled up one way or the other about it. And then uh, you get more dubious ones like Five Things I Learned as a Cop, <laughs> which, you know, sure, it's a it's a pre-George Floyd, uh, you know, article, but it's post-Ferguson. And this isn't, you know, you'd think someone in the writer's room would be like, okay, you guys, like, maybe not. And the article is mostly like, it, if there were any benefit to this article whatsoever, it would be just like explaining how this system, like, you know basically creates like racist killing machines yeah. but instead it's just like yeah when you're a cop like you know maybe 96 year olds are trying to kill you who are you to judge like you're not out there getting knockout gamed by 17 year olds you know you didn't get called a sucker mc so you had to you know tactically neutralize the threat come on yeah it's really funny you open this article and then first item on the list things i learned as a cop is there's a reason we stay we stay out of some neighborhoods <laughs> <laughs> jesus man yeah the the cop from assault on precinct 13 wrote this article <laughs> it's very tucker max this one it is. it's like it's it's the style of like cop story where you're just like no you don't understand this line of work is a little more epic than you think and a little more messed up it's like he he shows up to a crime scene and just goes like mm, that's just wrong it's it's that like style of of like aggressive uh, epic normie humor the the article like just makes being a cop sound like a less stressful version of being a teacher except you can also <laughs> shoot the kids <laughs> yeah um then uh there's one that i wanted to single out as being fucking evil and it was this one called the ways society doesn't understand pedophiles or like top five things i learned as a child porn addict or whatever again you know a lot of these articles basically just include detailed how-to guides on how to download child porn but the ones uh both the ones involving child porn and pedophiles and the quote-unquote like non-offending pedophiles or whatever both of them extensively cite and one of them was co-written by dr james Cantor, and dr james Cantor is one of the most like hilariously fucking evil people uh in science today he is a guy who works on rehabilitating pedophiles he is a member of the false memory syndrome foundation which is a foundation that basically just exist to convince uh, kids that they made up getting molested. And he is also viciously transphobic. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like literally like he has a quote in the article where he's just like, where, where they, they talk about like, you know, the legal gray areas that surround, you know, child porn that is, does not involve like actual exploitation, like, you know, CGI or animated stuff. And then they ask him about it, and he's like, yeah, it's kind of an ethical gray area, but it's not hurting any kids. So, you know, I kind of lean towards do no harm. And then you read what he has to say about trans people, and it's just like, <laughs> oh, what the f This guy is significantly pre less pressed about fucking Lollicon than he is about <laughs> trans people. That, that was actually, that was my favorite part of that particular article, because the article, like... It's like, we, and we asked a bunch of anonymous uh, pedophiles a bunch of questions about this. And it's like, when we asked them about child porn, they all seemed scared. <laughs> 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 they, 
It's like, yeah, they thought you were fucking entrapping them. (laughs) I I held it out to them on the fishing line and saw if they pawed at it. (laughs) Yeah, no, this bear seemed like a little nervous around this beehive. But (laughs) no, and again, like, I don't want to get into my whole like spiel about like this whole mythology of fucking non-offending pedophiles is some of the most like disingenuous shit in the world but like it really is just like one of the most like stupid concern trolley things in the world that was like popular around this time it's like well what about the pedophiles that don't hurt kids and i'm like i don't know man (laughs) like what what about them (laughs) that's not my problem (laughs) that's not what we're talking about is it (laughs) Yeah, that's not what anyone is talking about. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's anyhow. the same thing. It's like, what about the gun owners who don't shoot up schools? Yeah. <laughs> it's like... It's like, I, I don't... That's We're talking about a different thing. It feels like you have $50 to build your ideal pedophile. $5. <laughs> doesn't molest kids. $4. Only looks at, uh, like, head tie child porn. $3. Smoking hot. <laughs> I, I also have to say on a more serious note that if you're going to do an article about this stuff and not mention like obsessive compulsive stuff and how there is like a branch of obsessive compulsive disorder that makes you think you're a pedophile, that's insane. That's like just hilariously negligent journalism on this regard. But anyhow, that's just like a side that article like made actually made me really fucking angry. Other than that. The craziest one of these is the one about uh, Syria, where it's like five things we learned from like Syrian war refugees. And you think, oh, okay. They like interviewed some refugees that were living in Europe or the States. They actually sent Robert Evans to fucking Syria. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you just imagine him getting bullied by the vice reporters in the same way. Like, <laughs> the same bombed out hovel. It's like in fucking Ace in the Hole when uh, Chuck Tatum, the Kirk Douglas, like, narcissistic evil reporter is, like, bullying all the other reporters so he can murder a guy. That's <laughs> how the Vice guys treated him. Were there any other, like, notes on this stuff? Like, it is a really kind of refreshing change of pace, I will say. At the same time, it does seem like not something you can do for a super long time because they started going more towards articles about having, like, weird fetishes and, like... The five things I learned that when my dick doesn't work or whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, it is like, it is a, it was an interesting change of pace. Um, you can tell what their fixations were at this point in time, which is very strange. And I think like tonally, it just, it's just not a good fit for the site. Um, but, you know, I, this, this is after I stopped reading Craft, which is kind of context for this whole episode. I think that it was just a lot of the time weird to read articles that would reference things that came out. Like, I mean, to jump ahead a little bit, there was an article that ref- was talking about the X-Men and it referenced X-Men first class. And I was in my head, I was like, that's the crack doesn't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it is like, it, you, I do, you do appreciate that they're kind of like at this point in time, trying something new within kind of their format, but it just like, I don't know. I, they, they probably needed to stick to their lane a little bit or just like full on, yeah. try to evolve no I, I i think it's absolutely right that like there's just such a limited supply of versions of this that are interesting it's like you get the couple that are slam dunks as far as like oh my god that's a really like harrowing and interesting and a valuable perspective but it's like how many people who 
have those experiences, like want to write an article for crack.com. And so the scraping of the bottom of the barrel comes like really, really quick. Speaking of evolution, let's talk some more about David Wong because David Wong has found his fucking like place. He has found his fucking niche and he's going to stick, stick to it hard. That article, you know, six harsh truths that'll make you a better person that blew up. And now he is doing that over and over and over again. Uh, And again, I'm I'm glad I referenced the last psychiatrist on the last episode because it turns out he actually just admitted like, yeah, I'm stealing all of this from him. And the Glengarry Glenn Ross thing, that same reference was in a last psychiatrist article except in that article uh the guy who wrote that basically just said like i'm putting this in here to piss you off because my whole blog is about trying to piss you off and in this one david wong is just like yeah this guy is awesome and right this guy is completely correct about anything but in this he does so many uh variations on this like he does five ways you're accidentally making everyone hate you or uh, what is it? And, you know, again, some of them are just the standard. I don't I don't have a huge problem with them. Like, yeah, it's probably good to remind a bunch of like Internet, you know, narcissists or whatever uh, like that. Life is more complicated and tricky than things. But some of them are pretty uh, a bit much like the ones where it's like ones where he talks about like white privilege and stuff in it are. I don't know. He feels like he's he's trying his best, but yeah. <laughs> I liked the one that's um it's I think it's called like you accidentally asserted power over them and it's like you know your coworker <laughs> gets upset when you talk about how you had like a uh, one night stand with a beautiful woman and you paid her $10,000 and it's like your coworker doesn't like that because they think you're bragging. It's like I don't think the average cracked reader has that kind of lifestyle <laughs> where that becomes a concern. <laughs> Yeah, no, 100%. And it's also funny because some of these things, like, it's him, like, very, like, not patiently, but not arrogantly. Like, somewhere in the middle of that. Like, he's, like, somewhat condescendingly explaining, like, concepts. Like, fucking, um, you know, that, like, if you're a white person, you yourself might not individually be racist. And obviously you did not do any of the evil shit your ancestors did. But you benefit from the world they made. Which on the one hand is like pretty obvious to anyone who's taken any fucking liberal arts course ever. But at the same time, it's like you see people in the comments section just going fucking ape shit at this. They're like, hey, you fucking, you're calling white people all racist? You fucking, you fucking libtard? What the fuck is, I hate this site now. I, I like the idea that like crack.com is what radicalized the entire alt-right. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. all of those young people uh, were reading David Wong articles where it was like, five things you have to stop doing as a white man. And they were like, I'm going to vote for Trump so hard right now. Yeah. The, the thing is like in the comment sections of those articles, you do get a lot of people, uh, you know, just like obviously being as like dumb and angry as possible. But you also get a lot of people being like, why am I being lectured on this by a white guy who calls himself David Wong? <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny that there's like an overlap where he was still using that name, but like going full into the like, you know, I am the the wise liberal ally who's going to teach you how to be a good person persona. He really fucked up, honestly. Like, it's so obvious that this was the turning point where he could have become like 
uh, fucking Steven Crowder or something. Yeah. Um, and he just went the totally opposite direction. And he, guys he, like this, like, he, irrelevant today, don't matter. Yeah, he could have been Jordan B. Peterson. Yeah. He Well, he could have been, like... You know how, like, every dumb guy on Twitter is like, I can't stand Jordan Peterson. But the left does need to have more father figures or whatever. Like, <laughs> stuff like that. It's like, we need a role model for young men. It's like, honestly... Give that to Jason Pargan. Give that to him. Like, why not? Who cares? You can do worse. Let him pretend to be a new race yeah. every year. It be, listen, young man, you do a little yellow face. It's okay. She's <laughs> Filipino now. Does that affect things? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, look. Gun to my head, Jordan Peterson jacking off and crying about Pinocchio versus a guy who pretends to be Asian and, you know, read a little bit too much Christopher Lash. Like, you know what? I'll take the other guy. I'll take him. You know <laughs> yeah. what? That's fine. The one thing that I do want to note about his, like, self-help articles is just, like, I was reading the five ways you're actually accidentally making everyone hate you article. Um, and just thinking about, like, how fucking useless this is for its, like, target audience it reminded me it's so much of like the the discourse around parasocial relationships when that was like the really huge hot button issue where it's like that is okay, my favorite type of relationship i love those <laughs> relationships i have one with esther yeah. that's right um yeah. <laughs> we are always in different rooms yeah i'm holding yeah. a knife right now <laughs> she is um but yeah it's like the people who actually need to hear this they're not going to be receptive to it whatsoever and like the people who are reading this and who are just kind of like nerdy fans of your work, they're just going to start getting like miserably paranoid about it. Right. Where it's like, Oh fuck. My, my friend has like uh, five times as many followers on me on Twitter. Do I have a parasocial relationship with them? And in the same way, it's like people are, are going to read this. And if it has any effect on them, it's that they're going to be really neurotic about like not saying something to a coworker or whatnot. There is at least one fucking like weird guy who was already kind of avoided by his coworkers. <laughs> and then he just said, Oh, sorry. Did I just assert power over you? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine your coworker comes into work one day and they're, they're just been clearly thinking about it all night. And they're like, listen, I feel like I asserted power over you yesterday. I want you to know I'm sorry. Yeah. Here's what you need to do to make people stop hating you. Is that when you do one of these like five social faux pas, just start punching drywall while screaming stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> people love that. Smack yourself in the oh. face a couple times. Come to work in Henley shirts. <laughs> also, David Wong also wrote this article called The Five Most Useless Pieces of Advice Everyone Gives. And like, again, it's not wrong. Like... Saying, like, you just need to watch what you eat or whatever is, like, you know, that is, is pretty condescending advice. But at the same time, like, this is kind of in direct contradiction to his whole shtick, which is just, like, you're not trying hard enough, ass face or whatever. Yeah. No, this, yeah, this one's funny because it's, like, he has wrapped back around because his whole thing is just being contradictory, right? His whole thing is just being, like, the thing you've been told your whole life is actually wrong. Um, and, and this one, he is doing that, but to the things he said a couple years ago, basically. So when he's like, um, you know, you just need to be yourself or, or you just need to believe in yourself. You know, or the, I think number one on this list is you just need to find what you were meant to do with your life. And it's like, I'm pretty sure you wrote a whole article like 2011 that was telling people to do that. Yeah. So that's what Wong was doing. I also want to add that something that, is really funny about the site around this time is that it, it's like schizophrenic. Like you've got this and you've got the pop culture stuff, which we'll talk about near the end, but 
there's also like political stuff like not like the cracked experiences there's just like casual like left-wing political or not left-wing but like daily show shit in the middle of this um that also made its audience mad for more understandable reasons because some of these like even when they're right they come across as like ridiculously preachy and obnoxious my, my favorite one it's a it's a gladstone one it's five obnoxious things that won't go away in 2013 and one of them is like you know number five friggin kesha that's that stupid slut and then number one is uh the ndaa <laughs> <laughs> that was it's yeah it's a whole article about like uh you know number two calling people haters and then it's number one it's like president obama (laughs) 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 yeah no the there was also one from 2015 by uh, adam todd brown that was called uh Five or five ways comparing Donald Trump to Hitler makes perfect sense. Or <laughs> yes. whatever. It's like, it's like, I mean, sure, man, but like, why? This was mm-hmm. the craziest one to me because this one felt like the bridge to our modern era, and it's just so bizarre to me to see Crack.com writing about about Trump in like a, a political sense. It just feels wrong. Like, that you should permanently. It should permanently be two thousand nine over there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Esther, yeah. can you read the first paragraph of that five obnoxious things that won't go away Kesha entry? Oh, yeah. Uh, and by the way, when Esther reads this, she's reading it because she means it. Um, all right, let's see here. I was recently in a debate with a friend of mine about Kesha. My thoughts on Kesha are basically that she is a no-talent skank who can't sing, rap, write, or even rise to the level of being doable. A complete zero. His position was that she's a millionaire and successful, so therefore she must be smart. My friend may be many things, but right is not one of them. In the court of Gladstone, the verdict was returned unanimously. She is a successful no-talent skank who does nothing for me sexually. And the crazy thing is he wrote that after the Dr. Luke stuff. They're calling him Marine Todd in the shadows. (laughs) I also love that um, when the friend, he like, there's a link to the person he's talking about. And it's just a Twitter user named at drunk socialite who hasn't tweeted in in, uh, two full years at this point. That's so funny too, because like when people will defend pop stars, they'll usually just say like, Oh, they're like talented or, Oh, they're like, you know, they're, they make fun music or whatever. Um, And in which case with both cases with Kesha, it's just like true. Like I don't even like her music that much. It's just, that's just true. But then like, who the fuck are calling these people like geniuses or whatever? Like, and not even like artistic geniuses, but like Kesha has an IQ of 185. Like, who the fuck is saying that? <laughs> That's not a thing anyone has ever said. But actually, I, I want to go back to this article a little more because my another great one entry from this article is people who step on other people's jokes. And it's literally just Gladstone whining that he posted, like, a really (laughs) lame joke on Twitter and people didn't get it. You have to be this fun, like, a certain level of funny to complain about bad riffing in your reply. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, like, it's Hikikomori Andy Rooney at this point. (laughs) I wanted to touch a few more on the political things. I wanted to talk about J.F. Sargent's articles more since he was, like, the preachy guy. According mm-hmm. to like the the consensus at the time, uh, that was before he was known as uh, the 
allegedly uh, kind of a creep, uh, allegedly did some bad shit and everyone there hated him guy, allegedly, allegedly, not legally binding. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was two great ones that he did. The first one was called uh, Five Worst Relationship Zones Than the Friend Zone. <laughs> that, ah, so good. The, <laughs> the best way to prove that you were a good ally in the early 2010s and a good male feminist was to say, the friend zone isn't even that big of a deal. The friend zone isn't real. <laughs> Anyone who is really insistent about, actually, I love being friends with all my female friends, is like, has, <laughs> has a throbbing boner 24-7. Yeah. That was something I said when I was 13 and in denial about having feelings. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're talking like that, then you could absolutely do like Team Fortress 2 rocket jumps with your cub. You know, it's, it's that pressurized <laughs> inside you. Yeah, that is that is like a guy who like tells porn stars they look awesome today. <laughs> he also did one called uh, Five Uncomfortable Truths About Rape on College Campuses, which is, mm-hmm. you know, great. That one this one rocks because like it's not even like, you know, an anonymous victim talking about how the system is <laughs> fucked. It's just some guy. Some guy who went to a college. Yeah. I watch these happen as they're happening and I shake my head. <laughs> This guy is like, this This article is very much like, if last week tonight did not exist, we would have to invent it. <laughs> yeah. The one that fucking killed me was six ways politi- critics of political correctness have it backwards. <laughs> and it's just the most anodyne, just like the first thing you say when you like arguing with someone about political correctness. So it's like, Actually, like, political correctness makes people get more creative with their jokes or whatever. Like, it's like, shut up. (laughs) God, shut the fuck up. I also want to say his profile picture on Cracked is him with, like, like an ill-fitting tie holding up a glass of bourbon. Yeah, he he is a bourbon bastard, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he he looks like... He looks like John Boyce, like, worse younger brother or whatever. (laughs) There's another one in... in, Before we get to the kind of as a, maybe as a segue into the pop culture stuff that I really enjoyed from someone named Christina H. Oh, oh, this was the saddest yeah, fucking one ever. Five weird things her, that yeah. apparently make you cool now. Yeah, she was the one, she was the girl. Like we talked yeah. about last, I like how you forgot. I had this whole <laughs> spiel about her in episode two and you just completely forgot about I, her. I, I honestly did. I it forgot is Christina, Christina Hendricks, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just imagine Christina Hendricks in like a Joan from Mad Men outfit typing away. <laughs> so I don't like when people have hobbies. <laughs> no, this one's, this one's awesome. It's because it's so sad because it's literally like someone who just has no interests and is, <laughs> is clearly really depressed about it. Number five thing that apparently makes you cool now is being good at video games. And it's like, you can't be a shutted new loser nerd and that's your whole shtick. And then be like, oh, apparently people like it when you play games now. It's like, you no, you should leap on that. Yeah, also, that does not make you cool. Like that makes you, that makes you on the spectrum. Like <laughs> that is like, people don't see like the shit people do at games done quick. And they're like, that guy is badass. Like they think, like yeah, that's. I'm I'm glad that's working out for you, man. Uh, I'm gonna read a little bit from number four on this no, list, please, which is please do understanding rap parentheses and music in general. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you 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 were. I almost was about to call you racist, but you saved it at the last minute. 
oh, you're not racist. You just have like a neurological problem. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Okay. So it says here, I don't really know where you are supposed to learn this stuff. My school never had a rap legends unit in history class. I never had anyone to tell me which artists are legit and which artists are a joke. It used to be as easy as seeing which ones were white, but now Eminem and Macklemore or something. <laughs> I told you I'm not good at this. You should also know something about the structure of the music, like what a beat is or what a hook is. <laughs> no. Or what EDM what? is. Gosh, what? sorry. You have to know what a I... beat is. This isn't music theory. Like, this is just... I love the... By the way, just just to pause real quick. It's like, Christina, it's okay. You are white. No one, no one will be mad at you if you like the wrong rappers. That's expected. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> just say J. Cole. <laughs> uh, just, say, just say, I like all types of music and then move on. That's fine. <laughs> but again, she doesn't like any types of music. She can't say yeah. that. Yeah, um, Yakub made that lie on purpose. The, <laughs> I like all types of music. <laughs> he made that lie for us. <laughs> when we get cornered and ask what type of music we listen to, and we don't want to seem either autistic or racist, we can just say, "Oh, all kinds." It's <laughs> A little bit. It's of like the greatest invention for white people since wallet chains. Like it's it's one of the best. <laughs> Okay, I got one more paragraph here, which is, uh, rap knowledge is probably the best shortcut to street cred, but you're expected to know about all kinds of music these days. Not necessarily whether it is good or bad, but what types of people listen to it. You use it as shorthand for describing people. Like, what do you want to call someone a hipster? You say you bet they wear skinny jeans and ride a fixie and listen to, uh, Vampire Weekend? Cool people, feel free to insert the correct band. But you see my point. How stumbling over the correct band to finish that sentence makes me look a little square. Oh, Christina, she, you just she don't just, have friends. <laughs> she did. She clearly dated like one rate your music autist or something. Who, like knew way knew way too much about like this heat or whatever, and was just like she was like he was this guy was like showing her like fucking like seventies Italian prog, and it, she was having the reaction that you get when you show a dog a vegetable. Like, it's, <laughs> think it's that i think she just like works at crack.com and like works around people who make references and she's like the one person there who has never gotten a reference in her life it's so sad <laughs> this is something the kid from the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime <laughs> <laughs> she's like she's like one of the joke onion columnists that they used to have she's gene teasdale oh my god <laughs> yeah so let's talk about the pop culture stuff because it's pretty clear they are like really just out of stuff to say. Mm -hmm, like, yeah. so on the one hand, they've got, uh, I'm not even going to read from this one, five reasons superhero movies are a bubble that will soon burst, written in 2013. Uh, buddy. Ahead of your time. <laughs> the one thing that buddy, I'll no say one is that one is, is that like, <laughs> People love to pretend that the Guardians of the Galaxy are, like, the riskiest and most out there things in the world. To be like, no one has ever seen a movie about a wisecracking talking animal before this <laughs> movie. Yeah, no one has ever seen a movie about people in space and there's pop music. Like, yeah. no ever seen... <laughs> That's not your yeah. dad's favorite movie called Buckaroo Banzai. Like, that is not... <laughs> 
it is really funny to read this article and they're like and we're gonna get iron man 3 captain america 2 and then it's like and you look at uh, what's coming out now and it's like no actually it's like we're getting like captain marvel 2 and like yeah. <laughs> captain america 5 it's it's a uh, it's pretty grim uh there's some there's one that uh triggered my music autism yeah i was the one who dated christina h um it was uh gladstone's five most unexpectedly whiny rock songs yeah you just in the the document you just captured this one kill murder kill murder yeah no nothing gets me mad than these people's opinions about music like it's it's a fucking trigger uh but he said uh little red corvette by prince that song's about having sex (laughs) <laughs> that song's about having sex with a hot woman. <laughs> and one of the other one is Just the Way You Are by Billy Joel. And it's, uh, I don't even like Billy Joel. The point of that song is that it's mean. Like, it's just an insult to a woman. <laughs> yeah. And he also put Is She Really Going Out With Him by Joe Jackson. And I know I'm the only one over the under the age of 45 who cares about Joe Jackson. That song's a joke also. That song's just about, like, sitting in a cafe I mean, the guy who wrote it's a gay guy. He's just watching a bunch of hot women walk around with orcs and just being like, huh, that's weird. That's kind of funny. Anyways. God, <laughs> I, I do, I do really guy. like the lyrics cited here. Pretty women out walking with gorillas down my street. It's a funny lyric. It's He's a funny guy. And he's just a gay man. He's just a fussy gay man from the 70s just being like, yeah, there's so many beautiful women, and they all like date hairy fucking guys that I would have seen on Grinder and nowadays. Yeah. Gladstone says, first, there's pretty women and gorillas. These are not people the singer knows. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, that's the he joke. He says that in the song. He says, out walking in the street, he's watching them. <laughs> yeah, it, it rules because it's it's like he's being like our five most unexpectedly whiny uh, lyrics. Uh, Weird Al Yakovich, he complains about being white and nerdy when that's his <laughs> own fault. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's like saying like, yeah, all these like five most unexpectedly pedophilic songs and then putting like Steely Dan songs in there. It's like. Yeah, that's that's the joke. That's <laughs> that is the that is the subject of the song that you have described. <laughs> yeah, five most unexpectedly depressing songs, and they put a black dresses song in there. <laughs> that's a joke for Esther. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I needed to I needed to explain things in a way that makes sense to her. <laughs> Uh, and other than that, uh, again, the pop culture stuff really, really scraping the bottom of the barrel. The ones that, like, the Adam Todd Brown ones are so funny to me since it's just him just, like, going, like, here's five songs I think suck or whatever. <laughs> Here, it's like, it's, there's no angle. It's just, like, a blog post. <laughs> the one that I knew would make Esther really mad was, like, four horror movies that low-key kind of suck ass and... <laughs> Number three is the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, come on now. It was the middle was, of the 2010s. It had been, I think, pretty firmly reclaimed by then. And the that's awesome, too, because, like, that was such, like, a smart, dumb guy thing to say. Because, like, by that point, like, if you talk to a normal person about the Blair Witch Project, they would just be like, 
yeah, this shit is fucking, uh, this shit's really like scary or whatever. Like my fucking middle school science teacher was like, yeah, that shit was scary, man. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are going, Erm, actually, they're just walking in the woods. They're just yelling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, the one that. The, and he says, um, instead of watching Blair Witch Project, you should watch VHS. Uh, <laughs> and the explanation he gives is for one thing, it's one of those rare found footage movies that actually makes sense as a found footage movie. <laughs> Come on now. What did he what did he say instead of watching Rosemary's Baby, which is an the amazing devil's movie? The Devil's Advocate. <laughs> Fuck off. Fucking moron. Uh, You're not allowed to have taste. (laughs) You're going to make me a Roman Polanski defender with that shit, man. He also recommends watching Quarantine instead of The Rig. Not even Wreck. (laughs) Random curveball. Random curveball. He he suggested watching Manhunter instead of Red Dragon. It's like, okay. Oh, all right. Okay. He's okay. You brought it back. But you brought it back. <laughs> no one's out there like saying that Red Dragon is a masterpiece. That's a Brett Ratner joy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, to all those people on the internet who are constantly saying Red Dragon's the best Hannibal Lecter movie. So who are you talking to? That movie with like a like a glowing 6.4 on IMDb. <laughs> that one had everyone fucking loves if we go deeper than that the one that by adam todd brown that like made me go what the fuck is your just what's your deal is um five famous people we didn't hate enough in 2014 (laughs) and the first one is jennifer lawrence (laughs) yeah this this is a fascinating moment in history where people were like because she was a beloved internet figure for many years but this there was a moment where people were like actually I just remembered she's a woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this movie, this one talks about like, I was like, okay, Jennifer Lawrence in 2014, she got revenge porn to that year. She had like the highest profile case of getting revenge porn since Pamela Anderson. And then like, he just was like, yeah, I mean, like sucks for her, I guess, but she's still a whore. <laughs> uh, you, you is also on this list. Very topical. I guess that was yeah, the year well, with the uh, the iTunes. That was thing, the year still. of the the album, and I think they got like oh, enough hate for that. I think they yeah. got a perfectly solid amount of hate for that. Finally, someone's um, talking about it. Yeah, finally, finally, someone said that shit is annoying, and I still can't get that fucking album off my phone. It's the first <laughs> thing I see when I open my music app. Yeah, and I will finally say that. Uh, in the artists we didn't hate enough, or artists we didn't, we hated too much, he put Floyd Mayweather there. He was like, <laughs> okay, yes, the domestic abuse is bad, but, like, it's just like, do you, did you just run out of guys to put here? <laughs> like, did you just have an, opi- an opinion on Floyd Mayweather you wanted to put in a cracked article? So, yeah, no, this is the, this is the tale of a site that is, like, unsure of its identity. It is clearly, like, Culture is shifting beneath its feet. You know, the internet is drifting into a more, you know, polarized and political and angry place. And this site, too, is out of its glory years. And, you know, it's trying to find its footing. It's trying new things and also playing the hits to see what works. And none of it's really sticking. It's an interesting, it's a fascinating moment. And it uh, it is going to lead to... The disaster that we will talk about in, let's say, an episode or two. Mm-hmm. But to close this out, to close this out, let's read a Gladstone article. Let's read a fucking let's Gladstone sit back article. With a nice glass of wine. Yeah. <laughs> Savor let's... a Gladstone. Yeah. DJ, play the hate by numbers theme. We're reading three ways. 
checking your privilege never fixed anything. Which is awesome to write at this time, by the way. In 2014, the year of the think piece to... Gamergate was going to happen literally one month, one month later. Yeah. <laughs> like... No, it's it's great. I picked up the comments of this one as well, and it's like about eighty percent people, like you know, doing the standard thing of like, yeah, that's right. It's it's counterproductive and it's evil and it makes like you know discourse rotten and toxic. And then reading twenty percent of people just be like, guys, I've never heard anyone say this like <laughs> earnestly in my entire life. Yeah, no, it is political correctness was like it's entirely something people just complain about or people complain about people complaining about it mm -hmm. never it never existed in one form it just existed as reactions but um, I, I would like to start reading right this in. article because i would like to be the first one who reads it because of something that happens in the first paragraph oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah okay yeah no i don't have the privilege to say this <laughs> all right I went to college. Light of recent events. Like <laughs> Light of recent events, yeah. <laughs> I went to college in the 90s at the height of political correctness. On our first day of school, we were taught a list of words that would not be tolerated. They were offered as examples of hate speech. One of those words was girl. Didn't happen, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> not real. Um, in this heightened atmosphere, a classmate of mine asked if it was okay to say the word Jew. No, it's not. Um, and I wanted to read this because that actually did happen to me in high school. <laughs> someone did ask me that. Um, in case anyone's still wondering, yes. Yes, it is, provided it doesn't follow the phrase, let's murder, let's murder that dirty blank. You see, context is everything, and there's always a danger in trying to divine someone's intent merely from their ability to adhere to the selected vocabulary of the day. Over the years, I was pleased to see some of the worst forms of knee-jerk political correctness die down. People seemed to stop assuming someone was a Klansman for saying black instead of African-American. Some women started self-identifying as girls in certain contexts, which never happened while I was at school. <laughs> Bro went to Vassar. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Lawrence. <laughs> I'm just imagining him just getting like uh, uh, the old like uh, one person pushes you and the other is like kind of kneeling behind you trick, but like both of them are just by like women with like the thickest armpit hair imaginable. <laughs> this guy was like such a dupe in the fucking nineties. Like I bet there were like two fucking like two like lesbians just going like, oh yeah, no, it's actually really really offensive to like um. Uh, sit next to a woman. It's like, really <laughs> like oh, 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 okay. I'm There's like notes. a whole arc of Dykes to watch out for that was written about him. <laughs> uh, but now we have a new kind of political correctness, which in many ways I think can be more harmful to the cause of mutual respect and understanding. Check your privilege. Check your privilege has become the standard refrain of people who accuse others of holding opinions that are somehow hostile to the underprivileged, or at least outside of the ruling class. It's a way of saying, you, sir, all right, you, sir, <laughs> come from a place that has predisposed you to see the world in a self-centered and incorrect way. It is meant to fight the abuses of the rich white patriarchy and point them to the proper path. And the worst thing about the check your privilege movement is it does none of that. It helps no one. It fosters no understanding. It fails horribly to move society forward in any way. Did you hear that last I, part? <laughs> I, I just want to point out and say, this was like, so, this is still a very common thing where like the only phrases that 
get like enter from like social justice vocabulary that enter the mainstream are the like HR ones or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like check your privilege. Like the only people who say that are like, yeah, I'm the hip director at this like HR firm or whatever. <laughs> and those are like the white fragility shit is the only thing that makes it to like the mainstream or yeah. whatever. <laughs> Did you hear that last part? Although I know I am setting myself up for abuse. This is not an article about poor white men feeling like they're under attack. I don't care about poor white men or rich white men. I don't care about I hate everyone. I hate everybody. <laughs> I don't care about protecting the patriarchy. I care about the same agenda supported by many of those people who throw check your privilege around like it's some magical defense against the dark arts. I'm talking to those people. Because if you really do care about building a better planet filled with respect for and appreciation of differences, then there are three things about check your privilege that aren't helping you reach your goal. Hmm. Pass it off there. Respect and appreciation of differences. Like that. That sounds like a eugenicist. No, that is exactly. <laughs> that is how the most racist people on the planet talk. Yeah, th- that was like the, how the KKK is like running things after like five different like iterations of rebranding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we just need so, to respect that some three. people have different IQs. <laughs> <laughs> number three, check your privilege makes assumptions. The first problem with check your privilege is the most stated one. It makes assumptions. <laughs> Man. Mm. Um, whom, do, whom do you say it to? Just anyone who disagrees with your point on race, gender, sexual orientation, and or socioeconomics? Or do you say it just to white dudes who disagree with you? Cisgendered? <laughs> or whoever looks like the power elite on whatever topic you're fighting about? But okay, let's say you're arguing over one of the many things that people love to fight about and your adversary has expressed an opinion directly opposite to what you believe is true. What does check your privilege say? It says you believe the root of disagreement is your adversary's background. He or she feels this way because they're white, because they're straight, because they're rich. In a... Oh. oh, Yeah, this is great. (laughs) Was that censored? (laughs) Do you want to continue? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This, like, I had the same reaction I do to, like, when I watch, like, gym accident compilations and you see someone, like, (laughs) make their knee bend the wrong way. (laughs) In a very odd way, check your privilege is kind of racist because it assumes someone's background dictates their opinions. (laughs) Immediately. Just paragraph four. You can be racist to white people too. <laughs> of course, we are all pro- <laughs> of course we are all products of environments. But do you really think you can sum up someone's entire argument, if not existence, by referring to their background? You may not call it their race, gender, orientation, or social st- stratus. You could call it their privilege, but ultimately, that's just code for saying, "Hey, your opinions are wrong because you're blank." The part that's where not- says. Um- we're all products of our environment, of course. That's one of the like best to be sure sentences I've seen because it's just like, okay, so isn't that the whole ball game then? <laughs> also, social stratus is one of the funniest misspellings I think, or like small <laughs> uses of a term I had ever seen. Famed WWE the penultimate expression. <laughs> I had to like Google that to make sure like were people just like saying the shit and it's like <laughs> nope it is it turns out that no this this the guy who 
Dan, if you fucking copy edit this article, you fucked up big time. Dan, <laughs> this is a call out to you in particular. If you copy edit this this one, you're losing your I'm taking your fucking job. Um Yeah. Aside from the dangers of assuming someone is privileged based on appearance, you're also assuming that background leads to only one conclusion. You're judging someone based on where they're from, assuming why they believe what they believe. It's behavior beneath the dignity of someone who allegedly cares about prejudice and discrimination. Okay, I, I don't like, I mean, no one says check your privilege anymore. It's an annoying HR term, but like the idea behind it is like if you grew up in a white, like upper crust background, there are certain opinions that you could take for granted because you lack life experience. Like that is, that is not a controversial yeah. statement. Like that is not, you literally need to get outside of your like social and economic bubble in order to understand like the lives this, of other people. Which, which is something that Gladstone in one of his other fucking articles we talked about today says he's one of his <laughs> other articles he's literally like yeah and it's the one about like things you do that will make people hate you he's like yeah you uh take for granted that just because something is okay for you that that means it's okay for everyone and it's like yeah that's the fucking point of saying you know the that's what the term means literally uh, that was, yeah okay that was, that was a long of, article oh was that one that was a long okay. article yeah, yeah. well yeah, they, needed no, to fucking, little... they, they needed to collaborate more on the editorial voice of crack.com <laughs> No, th this was a di this was a dialectic between the two. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is our marks and angles, yeah. Number two, Tana, would you like to read number two? Absolutely. It says here, check your privilege is cynical. Oh, so we're gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say you had your little disagreement, and based on your adversary's appearance or speech patterns or whatever, your assumption that he or she was privileged is correct. Now what? What is your point? You feel one way. Your adversary feels another. Now you've pointed out he grew up richer, straighter, whiter than you. And ideally, the checker privilege movement. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, relax. Remember when, the, remember when the CYPs were out of the streets? Yeah. <laughs> Storming yeah, state capital. <laughs> they were His inner fucking Chris Rufo. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine oh, check, check your privilege guys doing like home invasions, like in the purge. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did that is a Sam Levinson movie that like didn't make it out of fucking <laughs> whatever. No, I I have so much fun thinking about Assassination Nation uh, because it is a movie <laughs> where one of the main plot lines is like a, a trans girl getting like a lynch mob formed to like go after her, but everyone in the lynch mob uses her correct pronouns at all times. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the funniest squarings of a circle that I've ever seen attempted. <laughs> um, okay, ideally, the check your privilege movement is about encouraging others to understand how their own backgrounds might blind them to larger issues, but I see no evidence of that. End the article, dude! <laughs> End the article, bro! <laughs> Instead, if someone of a different background disagrees with you and your retort is merely check your privilege and all you're really saying is you're not like me, and therefore you're incapable of empathy. We are all from different places, all from different backgrounds, but who would want to live in a world as bleak as that? Who would want to overlook our common humanity? Yes, no one can know your experience as intimately as you. No one can fully appreciate your scars or pain except those who have precisely the same suffering, but how far can you take that? Even two Jewish Puerto Rican transsexuals cannot be assumed to <laughs> That's have- That's me and my sister, by the way. <laughs> Uh, um, cannot 
happy soon to have identical war wounds. At some point, each of us must take a chance that while others might not have experienced our exact pain, they have the capacity to understand. Which, I mean, one would think as well that, like, the the phrase, again, never used in these contexts outside of, like, HR or, like, people being ironic with it. But isn't, like, the goal of it, theoretically, to try to, like, help someone understand by, like, sort of telling them, like, hey, consider this? And they're like, oh, yeah, now I do understand it. Anyway. Humans can empathize. Half this, I just want to say, half this article is like a master class in begging the question. And then the <laughs> yeah. other half of this is just him explaining why this article is wrong. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, humans can empathize and spouting a three-word catchphrase does not make the world a better place by discounting that possibility. Really, the, the substance <sighs> of this article is like, I refuse to think about what this means, and that's why it's pointless to say it, because everyone will also refuse to think about what it means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay. We, Esther, Esther, yeah. why don't you read number one? All right, I'll take us home. Number one, check your privilege ends conversations instead of starting them. By now, you're getting really pissed off. <laughs> you're, positive <laughs> you bet, you, buddy. you're positive you know who your enemies are, and you're positive their background prevents them from agreeing with you. Again, it's just like, it's not about agreeing with you. It's about, like, you have a, like, you have a different perspective on this issue than I do because of your upbringing. It has nothing to do with, like, yeah. I need you to agree with me on this. Um, I, I also want to say, like, he has written articles. I didn't include any of them, but I do remember he has written articles where he, as a Jewish person, is basically asking atheists to check their privilege. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. that is... <laughs> like, it is very for me, but not for thee, or whatever. <laughs> yes. Uh, you feel I'm distorting the whole point of check your privilege. Yes. Uh, to, <laughs> to you, the phrase is noble. The phrase is simply beseeching the wrong-minded power elite to engage in self-reflection and see how their socialization has led them to be narrow-minded, oppressive, and wrong. Yes! (laughs) That's correct. I've had friends explain that to me. Check your privilege is only trying to start a dialogue. That's almost the equivalent of saying that check my cock for your wife's lipstick would start a dialogue. (laughs) About the state of one's You know he was... Yeah, he was divorced. He got mega divorced around this time. <laughs> he wrote a whole article about how much it sucks to be divorced. The phrase is insulting. It's a shortcut allowing you to dismiss the opposing views of your adversary. It does absolutely nothing to illuminate. If you're a black transsexual, again, if if you're a black transsexual woman, this was just the classic example of like, if you wanted to conjure an image of the most woke person possible at this time, it was like, oh, so I guess we have to talk about like, black indigenous transsexual in wheelchair woman yeah <laughs> if you're a the black... star of the show in any spanish textbook <laughs> if you're a black transsexual woman arguing with some white cisgendered male and you truly want to explain how his privilege understand prevents him from understanding your point your struggle or simply you then spouting check your privilege isn't going to help check your privilege fosters no mutual understanding why not talk about you? Explain you. Share you. Transsexual women's of the world, I please share you with me. <laughs> yes. Here, I'll drop my email link just in case you want to share you. <laughs> uh, what do you want? To be an understood, accepted part of the world with an equal chance for happiness and success? Or just to tell the people you perceive as privileged that they're wrong? What is your goal? What is your end game? Like, here's the thing. I think that, like... Both? <laughs> he does have a point in that, like, 
yes, a lot of the people who talk like this to this day clearly just like want to have the feeling of having beaten someone in an argument and sort of having superiority over them. And it's not actually about like convincing anyone of anything or trying to make someone empathize with you. It's just about like exerting social power. I do think that's true. Um, but like, he's also telling you how easy it is to exert social power over him. (laughs) It's like, this is the guide to making me upset. It's really easy to make me cry. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think Gladstone could really learn a few things from a David Wong article about exerting your power over other people. (laughs) Yes. Uh, If you only, if you intend only to dismiss opponents, then great. However, if those behind check your privilege, oh, if the mysterious cabal behind (laughs) check your privilege, uh, really want to foster... Gladstone, I have to explain to you that, you know, like, you know, you should understand as a Jewish person that these, like, tropes about, like, mysterious cabals controlling, (laughs) like, there's a bit of a history behind that. (laughs) Check your privilege. If those behind check your privilege really want to foster a better world of mutual respect and understanding, I'd encourage them to share information with those they view as their oppressors. Share and explain your identity instead of merely tearing down others. And if you do that and the reaction you get is hostile, short-sighted, and cruel, well then, at least you tried. And you can hate them with a clear conscience, knowing you did your part to make the world a better place beyond speaking three simple, useless words. So you're saying... Instead of someone telling someone to check their privilege, you should just do that, but, like, with more words. Yeah, exactly. It's like, so it's like, it's just the, it's just the slogan that bothers you. It's not, like, anything about the actual substance of what it means. Which, I mean, like, fair enough, that's correct, but also, like, why did you write this fucking article then? Yeah, because I, I guarantee that nobody actually told him that earnestly, right? He is just anticipating its use. Uh, yeah. This is, like, the 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 longest like shower thoughts argument uh ever where he's just like okay the first time somebody tells me to check my privilege this is what i gotta tell them yeah well this was you know a time of transition for crack.com and what a time it was this was so much fun to read so much fun to reminisce on join us next week as we talk about the video content of this time and its abrupt and painful demise and what that meant for the state of the internet in general and this has been Get Cynical. By the way, I don't always do these plugs on main episodes, but if you enjoyed this, and I know a lot of you fucking weirdos do, please check out our Patreon. Um, you can yes. listen to mm-hmm. our episodes. We did a very fun one with Hessa recently where we reviewed Blair Witch 2 and Pulse 2, two, uh, two vulgar auteur classics in the horror genre. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also hear a bunch of other series like me and common host of the show cole we review the billboard top tens of various years and you know a whole bunch whole host of other stuff so please toss us a few bucks if you like our content otherwise we'll see you all in a few weeks bye-bye yeah esther has one quick plug as well uh, which is that she wants everybody to go see the five nights at freddy's movie yes please (laughs) you need to support it we we have to get the full trilogy cheer when matt pat is on the screen (laughs) throw things at the screen be on your cell phones (laughs) all right all right Bye. bye bye Is she really going out?